Welcome to Obstinate Amateur Chefs. I'm Amy. <laughs> and I'm Jessica. Oh, I just did that to make you laugh. <laughs> um, that was the best gift today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we are amateur chefs. We are. And I feel like it's this is 30% a cooking podcast. Yeah, we've talked about Beef Wellington on, well, now three episodes. <laughs> It's our new vibing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had meatloaf for dinner tonight. Nice. I ordered it from that service. Was it? And it was good. Yeah. Gosh, meatloaf is like one of my favorite comfort foods. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I hate making it myself. I don't like squishing it. No, I don't want to make it. I want to buy it from Cracker Barrel. Mm, I feel like they have delicious meatloaf or I want my mom to make it but she Mm -hmm. doesn't yeah um so I showed our friend Kate your TikTok and (laughs) (laughs) she's obsessed so I don't know how to use TikTok and I thought as like a person who's semi on the internet I shouldn't just ignore social medias that I don't understand or I will get to the point where like I can no longer interact on social media at all because it will like have phased past me. So I was like, I should download TikTok. I should figure it out. But then I didn't know what to do. So I just recorded myself reading romance novels to my dog. (laughs) It's so funny and cute though. And really that's all TikTok is. Yeah, I do like, I can mindlessly like scroll through it and be like, oh God, it's been 30 minutes. Yeah, that's another reason I probably don't get that much done these days. Yeah. Although I did actually have to delete it from my phone. I feel like I go through cycles where I delete it for like a week and then look at it again. Yeah, but you can now find us there too, OHG Podcast. I remember to name it the same thing we named everything else. <laughs> That's impressive because memory is on high demand and like not returning very well right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you texted me today about a really cool thing that you did. I just got to like chat with Beverly Jenkins today. It oh, was so, so cool. Good. So she did through Arizona State University who's having a writer's conference right now. Um, she gave a course on modern romance and it was a thing that is all virtual and it was a thing that even if you weren't like subscribed to the conference you could sign up for this class for like a fee and so I signed up kind of assuming that it would be like at least 30 or 40 people that it would be like kind of a like a college seminar type thing where it was mostly just like a presentation and it was 14 people and it like for like the first couple of minutes it was just like me her and like three other people so we were just like chatting and I was amazing it was like you're a legend how are we just like zooming right now I was so excited oh that is so exciting and she's what a fun event yeah she was amazing like she um she basically went through kind of the the key bits of 
romance from her perspective. We talk through tropes and how to use them and um, character and like the importance of character and how to build plot and setting to like bolster character. And it was just all, it was like so good. Oh, that's so great. Are you attending anything else through the conference? No, that was the only thing I had planned was that one. Nice. I've been keeping my eye out for different writing conferences and things, but I feel like it's a lot because you, depending on your job, my job is like a solid percentage meetings, virtual meetings. And so to sign up for anything that is basically a virtual meeting that isn't work just feels like I'm signing up for work. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That sounds like a great day. It was. It was a very good day. And it started out weird. So I was really glad it turned around. I like woke up to a bleeding nose with like a terrible headache. That's awful. <laughs> Isn't that a terrible way to wake up? That sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> I know. Which is like, it. that's just happened to me since I was a kid. Like getting nosebleeds like that. Something about the inside of my nose isn't right. And um, whenever like the weather changes or the air is especially dry, it happens. But it, it like it looks like a murder scene. So in case any of you listen to this and we're like, I wonder if in real life I would be attracted to her. I just tell stories like this all the time. And no, you wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> Me, you know what, though? There are there's someone out there who's like, I am so intrigued by this woman. <laughs> Hopefully not for the bleeding nose story. I mean, I think that shows vulnerability that you are willing to share it. So, thank you. Also, it could end up on the cutting room floor because we have a lot to talk about today. We do have a lot to get through. Yeah. So, Amy and I were, we've been trying to alternate like a little bit, you know, like three on, two off. I don't know. There's no rhythm to our madness, which is great. But anyway, we like to pick things other than books to talk about occasionally, as you know our dear listeners. And so we wanted to talk about romantic couples that we have loved from television. Uh Um, We literally used no criteria. We were just like, we're going to pick couples. There was no requirement. They had to be together at the end of the show that the show is still on. Um, And I think for the visual learners, we can commit to, at least for both of our top fives, to providing some couples YouTube videos. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think at first I went into it thinking, like, I'm going to find only happily ever after couples. And it's really hard with television because with, like, the ups and downs in TV and seasons and not knowing if they're going to get another season it just seemed like a lot of my favorite couples, like I like they're my favorite couple kind of up to a point. And then maybe like the show went another way with it or whatever. And I still counted them because I wanted to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's where it's not necessarily a romance. It's more of a love story. Right. So that's where, yeah. Cause are there really any true romance TV shows other than Bridgerton? Like, even with Bridgerton, it's unique in its structure that they end up together at the end of the first season. Like, mm-hmm. Virgin River, Mel, and What's-His-Butt, they, like, keep will-they-or-won't-they. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's more common in the execution of a romance television yeah. show. 
and I think I mean even a show like Heart of Dixie which is like supposed to give you romance vibes it's still the will they or won't they for like multiple seasons there's someone like screaming at their microphone at their device right now like you idiots you're forgetting about this tv show oh yeah i'm sure yeah so i think we were gonna like kind of talk about some honorable mentions first or like people that didn't make the cut because i don't know about you but i solicited for advice from my sisters and friends so i feel like we should acknowledge them okay so i'm for they that. didn't make my cut okay because they're like some of these were hard decisions uh, yeah yeah we definitely both had a list that was entirely too long yeah it was like 25 yeah <laughs> um so my sister mentioned like pretty much our first couple probably as a tv show we consumed was uh scully and dr Qu- sully and dr quinn mm-hmm. medicine woman she didn't make the list obviously <laughs> because in some of these cases recency bias is real so like i had yeah so i had cj craig and danny who i feel like were really important to me in high school and college but then not after um kevin and v from shameless oh those people were from west wing for those of you who haven't seen it but kevin and v from shameless like i love them but they aren't really the central characters. And also I made my own criteria and said that the couples that didn't make it into my top five need to have made me cry. That was my, oh. yeah. Cause I was like, I don't know how to pick otherwise. Yeah, no, I can see. I feel like that's a good bar to set. So then I had rainbow and Dre from blackish who didn't make the cut Tasha and Alice from the L word and that's because, and even though we said this wasn't the criteria, there was like the L word Q or like the Q generation or something that came out multiple years after the show was over and they weren't still together. It kind of like let cheapened their original relationship to me. And also the way that show ended and the way it's held up. I was like, these, these guys can't make it. Yeah. And then um, I did not end up including Eleanor and Chidi in my top five. Yeah, I did not either. And I think we have similar feelings and I've seen this on like a couple of different like other people's lists and stuff where they just did not have a romantic chemistry. Like they had a lovely friendship chemistry and I just didn't didn't buy a lot of romance from them. But I think the crux of their story is very beautiful and I like it. But for me, it wasn't quite like the punch wasn't the love story. Yeah. Like, I love that they always found their way back to each other because I love a faded mates type situation. Mm-hmm. But I don't even want to say I wasn't like ever waiting for them to get back together. It's just like there was so many there were so many other more compelling parts of it. And ultimately, yeah, they had a great friend chemistry. Mm hmm. The other two I had that didn't end up making my list and this might be surprising or I might have texted you my final list, so I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Sun and Jen from Lost, they were up there for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I just had to bump them. There were other people that were more important to me. And then Marshall and Lily from How I Met Your Mother didn't make my list. You bumped them too? I'm surprised Mm -hmm. because they were on your list like the whole time. Yeah, well, so were Sun and Jin, but then I started taking some notes, and I was like, well, I need to, 
I need to flip some people. But I think Marshall and Lily still live in my head, like rent free. Uh-huh. But at that show, Ted was so annoying towards the end that I was, yeah. Yeah. It's funny how quickly, like, how much the finale of that show, like, killed that show. <laughs> like, how much they, like, in their last season, they, like, killed any good feelings for rewatching that show. Now, I know um, a bunch of my friends, like, we've definitely rewatched it. It doesn't hold up super well. Yeah. And, yeah, I have some couples on here from shows that I actually don't think it's very easy to rewatch. Either because they're just very of their time or that, that, like, things that were okay to joke about hit different now. Oh, interesting. Who were your honorable mentions? Um, okay, so my honorable mentions were Veronica and Logan from Veronica Mars, which I didn't really even consider them like a top five couple, but I definitely, there was like a time and a place where I loved their kind of enemies to lovers feeling, and their like first kiss is like one of the best enemies to lovers first kisses, I think, that I've seen that I like in television. And then I put almost every couple from the Vampire Diaries in this section. (laughs) Um, Special emphasis on Bonnie and Enzo, um, which were like, they don't come along until like relatively far into the show, but I always really liked them. Jake and Amy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine were very close to making it into my top five because I'm in love with Andy Samberg and I really like that show. Yeah, that had been up there for a while. I know. And it's really, ugh, even as I say it right now, I'm flip-flopping, but I'm honorable mentioning them. I do like that show and I do like that couple. Um, and they are cute. I love that first date episode of them where... Um, they make a bet that she has to go on a date with him and it's like meant to torture her. And then halfway through his best friend is like, you know, you're doing this because you're in love with her. And he's like, what? No, what? And he is. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Robin Sharon from catastrophe, Yeah. which that didn't make my top five because it's a little bit too real to life. Like, it, there's almost nothing escapist about it. Like, it's good and it's funny and it's like a love story, um, but it kind of forces you through their shit <laughs> in a yeah. way that like does not feel, oh, it doesn't give you that like romance vibe. And then the only other one, and I basically decided to keep them out of the top five only because it's like a longevity issue. There's only been one season of this show so far. And I'm curious what they're going to do with it. Um, But it's Debbie and Ben from Never Have I Ever, which is the Netflix show. And so I just am very into things that Mindy Kaling does and like her style of writing. I really, really enjoy. And you can see the impact of romance on her writing. And so those two characters, especially like Debbie goes through the whole first season being very into like this hot guy that is the guy that kind of everybody's into and he seems fine and he's a good guy 
And then at the very end, she realizes like, oh, this nerd that I've been battling back and forth with for top of the class is actually the guy that's like, I'm into and he's there for me. And I, I don't know. I just love it. And it's got a very like wholesome YA vibe to it. It's, it's, if you have not watched it, it's very enjoyable, but I also sobbed through like five episodes of it. So by your criteria, it probably should have made my top five. Yeah, my completely made up arbitrary criteria. Yeah. That isn't even entirely totally true because I definitely cried at Sun and Jin. So and I think Marshall and Lily, but you know. So um, no, I have not seen it. I don't know why. I should watch it. It is good. It's got a like a whole storyline about grief because it's you find out very quickly in the first episode that her father has passed away. And that's, that's really what triggered the crying for most of the episodes is it's, it's got this like lovely light YA romance, but then all of a sudden it hits you with like the truth about like grief and losing someone and working through it and how it impacts your day-to-day life. And I started watching it like we were in quarantine and we were in that part of quarantine that it was the beginning and we were like, this is so bad because we didn't know how much worse it was going to get. right because like we hadn't seen people in a month and it was like oh we haven't seen anyone in a month we're so sad and now we haven't seen anyone in a year and we're much sadder (laughs) but in a different way yeah yep so yeah so I just watched that doom aching doom oh did I tell you I think I might have broken my emotions oh no do tell a month into quarantine, I watched this and cried for like four hours straight watching five episodes in a row. Sure. I, I haven't cried in like two months. And I am like a cry a week kind of person, like a let's get it out, work through it. I'll put on a sad song just to keep it going. I can't get it to happen. Oh. I feel like that's a, it's like, I'm concerned. You're like in the numb phase now. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to like Google, I don't know, soldiers coming home or something. Oh my gosh. Soldiers coming home to their dogs, dogs with soldiers at funerals. Every time soldiers coming home to families like as third, which I know is sad, but just the dogs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely had to Google like videos to make me cry before. I was thinking of finding a book to make me cry like a good sad like historical fiction or something the fault in our stars oh my god i read that based on a recommendation with no warning as to what was going to happen and i was so upset so rude of whoever did that (laughs) it was just like oh this is a good book and it's ya here that is not how you describe that book to someone who does not know what it is say it will gently and then aggressively strip out your insides and leave you as like a corpse yeah yeah that seems all true would you like to hear my dishonorable mentions um yeah I didn't think about this and I love it so much (laughs) so every Downton Abbey couple um except for maybe the husband and wife yeah so and what upsets me the most about that show is at at like the slightest bit of inconvenience, they were like murder, death, death, and murder. 
And so it's like, you're like, oh, I love Matthew. And it's like, he didn't just die. He died horrifically in a car crash alone while picturing his wife and child off somewhere else. You're like, oh, okay, well, that sucks. Thank you. And then Sybil, you're like, yeah, little feminist Sybil. I love her so much. And they're like, oh, we're going to have her die on screen in childbirth, like with a contorted face of like a ghoul and she was was turning blue oh my god and then like her family is around her and you know then you get the whole like guilt storyline because you know they were awful and uh, yeah yeah. that's like I did cry when Matthew died but Uh I didn't cry because of their love right yeah Mm -hmm. so like I cried when Sun and Jin died but it was because they he like also confesses how much he like still loves her in that scene. Mm-hmm. So and then my other one is Booth and Brennan from Bones. Because I watched years of that show. I'm I'm into a crime procedural. I watched years and years of that show. They finally hook up and then there's a season break and then you jump forward in time. To where they've been together for several months and are now like out of the honeymoon phase and bickering again and like not even very into each other and you're like no. why did i watch this for seven years for you to skip the freaking good part no yeah that show did you dirty that is so rude <laughs> no that's yeah. what i said so yeah dishonorable I also love a good crime procedural. Um, I've been watching WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I uh, love WandaVision. Yeah. It is so great, but I want a crime procedural with Randall Park and Kat Dennings just solving random Marvel mysteries. Yeah, I agree. I would watch the heck out of that. Oh my gosh. I would love that so much. <laughs> be so good i don't have any dishonorable mentions because the minute we started talking about this other than wandavision i can't think of any tv show that i've watched (laughs) that makes sense remembering things is hard oh my gosh yeah so who's who made the cut okay so i'll start with mindy and danny from the mindy project and so this is my other mindy kaling pick and I kind of specifically love this pairing up into the scene on the plane, like the big, I'm going to go find you and kiss you moment on the plane that they have. And to me, like if that show kind of faded to black from there, that would have been like a perfect romance, Mm -hmm. but obviously like the show continues. And so they screw with those characters a bunch and they end up breaking up and getting back together and doing a bunch of weird stuff. But just that arc around total enemies to the point where like he doesn't really even have like they don't even have respect for each other yeah (laughs) and have to like grow in so many different ways to like seeing the value in each other first it's like an enemies to friends friends to lovers story and it's i mean it's it's so great i agree with you that bathroom like from that and and then but then things did get weird so Uh that's why when you were like i think i'm gonna include them I mean, they do end up at the together at the end, but there's all that shit in the middle. Yeah. What is one of yours that made the cut? Um, Patrick and David from Schitt's Creek. And so, so 
it, yeah, I just like, I cried a lot. Also, I marathon this through COVID. So that could be part of it. There's some recency bias here. Um, that could have been why it tugged at my heartstrings a little bit more, but I loved the portrayal of David as this pansexual, um, who assumes that Patrick is straight for the longest time. And then you see his heart softening for Patrick and Patrick is like steady and logical and grounding and David is insane. And, um, just their love for each other the way the different the contrasting ways in that they express it and that they have like very little in common yet seem to support each other anyway and like surprise each other and go out of the way to like show that they love each other I thought that was beautiful I also just love that that it's like in this small town and there's never a whiff of homophobia Uh and like it's just like this is a relationship that can be nab and it's not like kind of what we were talking about spoiler alert it's not like this is a a gay character whose only thing is gay or like in spoiler word a fat character who's only fat so I loved that Mm -hmm. yeah it's a great couple it's a great show and I feel like that show in general handles all the couples really well like I love Alexis and Ted and their journey and her happily ever after in some ways is like choosing herself Yes. And it's there's so many good things about that whole show. Yeah, Alexis and Ted were definitely came up when I asked people, but because they are so great too. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Moira. Um, oh my god, why can't I think of his name? I was gonna say it too, but then I couldn't think of it. I'm like Moira and Eugene Levy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are also great. It's a different kind of like love um, that they're showing each other, but it's great. Mm -hmm. So who's your next couple? So I picked from a mini series, which I assume I'm allowed to do because I 50% own this podcast. And we have no rules. (laughs) (laughs) So sci-fi did a mini series in like 2009 called Alice. And it's based on Alice in Wonderland. And it's basically like, what if Wonderland was a dystopia where the Queen of Hearts is a tyrant and they harvest people from the real world. They kidnap them into Wonderland and then drain them of their emotions and then put those emotions in bottles. And then the people of Wonderland get addicted to those emotions. And so they're like, like, oh, we drained you of your innocence. We put it in a bottle and now someone sips it like a drug. And like they get a hit of innocence. Oh my gosh, this sounds fantastic. I love it so much. And it's, I mean, I think it's like three or four episodes. It it ends up being like four and a half hours long total. You can watch it on Amazon. I rented enough times that I just like bought it. (laughs) And the main Alice, her father has disappeared and has been gone for like years. And she is trying to find him. And she ends up following her boyfriend into Wonderland by accident. And so you get to through a looking glass is how you get into and out of Wonderland. And she follows her boyfriend in and because she thinks he's been kidnapped to be there. But really, mm-hmm. he's this, the queen's son. 
I feel like this is a long explanation. I'm going to recap it for the next three hours to give you every detail. No, I'm going to skip ahead. So she ends up hooking up with Hatter, who is like Mad Hatter. And it's Andrew Lee Potts, who is like a sci-fi hunk of like the 2007 to 2012 era. Um, And everything about him is just like long, dark hair, eyeliner, that like fallout boy ish look oh he's the guy that you sent me that was like panic at the disco yes. yes and so they team up to go save her boyfriend but then they find out that he might be a bad guy and so they're kind of this unlikely pair and all through the show like you can tell that he's into her she thinks she has a boyfriend so she's like well I shouldn't be into you so I'm gonna pretend I'm not And there's like an excellent happily ever after moment at the very end where she goes back to her own world without him. And he's like, oh, I, I like let her go and maybe I shouldn't have. And you're thinking like, oh crap, is this going to end there? And then in the very last scene, you see that like he went through the looking glass to find her in her own world so that they could be together. And it's like, it like wraps it all up like a, like a romance. So it was only a mini series though. There won't be more episodes. Yeah, it was just a mini-series. Well, I mean, I guess it came out in 2009, so of course it's not going <laughs> Yeah, they episodes. wouldn't have new episodes now anyway. I'm going to have to watch that. It's so good. And the Amelia from um, Grey's Anatomy is in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she plays Alice. Another couple that didn't make my list, Derek and Meredith. Oh, yeah. I was never a big Grey's Anatomy fan. Like, I've seen episodes here and there. I still watch it. My next couple is Keith and David um, from Six Feet Under, which I feel like was just a really important show to me. I think it taught me a lot about, like, appreciation of another media medium other than, like, painting. Because I think it's just a beautiful TV show. It does stray and get a little weird at points, but I thought they wrapped it up really nicely too. I think that's Sam Mendes who also did American Beauty. So that's just kind of like his thing. Mm -hmm. I could also be getting that wrong and people could be yelling at their phones right now. Or (laughs) If if they are, they should calm down. It'll be fine. And also, this is the wrong podcast for them. <laughs> right? Feel free to send us an email. And then if it's with a correction, we will ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, you have, are you familiar with the show at all? Mm-mm. Okay. So basic, like very high level, there's um, a funeral director. He owns this funeral home and he... um runs it with his two sons he dies the two sons inherit it and they start running it and like the children the two sons and the daughter like they're all kind of fucked up and you watch them wander through this world so david is one of the sons and he is closeted homosexual the show came out in 2001 so like you're not usually seeing depictions of gay men on television like there hasn't been a lot of that going on And what I thought was so striking about the way he was portrayed and his partner was portrayed is once again, it wasn't that they were just gay. Like David is dealing with being a son and like his expectations of being a father, like to his father. 
and um, being a brother and like being a good son and all these other things. But he is closeted. So you get to see him navigate his religious guilt and um, that like the perceived harassment he would receive. And I know it sounds like very heavy and it is heavy, but I just thought they navigated it well. And so then he and Keith show this like support and compassion for each other. They do break up for part of it because Keith is like, he, he's out and doesn't care. doesn't have this thing to hang up. So you see them deal with that, but then they come together at the end. They're so supportive of each other. They adopt two kids. They end up getting married, I think. Um, and it was just like this rock in the show where you see them go to couples therapy and they're very like emotionally vulnerable with each other. And so I thought it was so nice. That is nice. Yeah. I love it when like a portrayal of a portrayal of a couple has like honest conversation going on. Mm-hmm. Who do you have next? Okay, so next I'm going to go with Franny and Jack from Miss Fisher's Murders, which have you started watching it? Because I've now, like once a day for the last week, been like, hey, this show. No, I have not started watching it. I've been reading and watching WandaVision. Oh, WandaVision is so good. Okay, so Miss Fisher's Murders is an Australian TV show and it is based on a book series. And it's, it gives us Franny, who is like a, in her 30s, very well-to-do independent lady living in the 1920s. And she's got this really fantastic like flapper style. And she basically decides, I'm pretty bored and I like being in other people's business. So I'm just going to solve murders. I'm just going to like show up at crime scenes and analyze stuff myself and solve murders. And so it puts her opposite this very straight laced detective who just wants to get the job done, but he can't actually do it without her because she's very good. And so he very quickly recognizes that like he has to put up with her, but he doesn't want to except for that. He does because they're in love a little bit. And (laughs) it's just like this great it's very witty and bantery. It's very sex positive. Like the them as a couple is a very slow burn. Um, but over the course of the show, she makes connections with a lot of different people. And it's like a key part of her character that she enjoys sex and takes it when she wants it. And that's how she lives her life. And like, if you have an issue with it, cool, don't be in her space. And it's just got all in all like a lovely cast of characters and a lovely vibe um and wait it's on amazon or netflix because now you've kind of sold me that i need to start watching it immediately oh i'm gonna google it really quick okay i feel like i feel like it was on a service that it's not on anymore what do you mean like that it was on netflix but now it's not so you'd have to like pay for it on amazon kind of thing oh okay I always hate when that happens, but capitalism. They did just have a movie come out. So they had several seasons. It ran from 2012 to 2015. And um, they just followed up with a movie in the last year. And I haven't watched the movie yet, but I am excited for it. And it does look like it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, excellent. But that's a show that, like, I've probably watched it all the way through 
two times and maybe random episodes like more than that because there isn't that many I think there's only three seasons so it's like a constant for you yeah it's like an every now and then I just like swing back to it like a Lisa Kleypas novel yes exactly so I I said I wasn't or maybe I didn't say and I just did it in my head but I said I wasn't gonna like really put these in any order so I think these would be my top other than the next two that I have. What? <laughs> like, I feel like, my, I feel like my one and two are in a category all of their own. Okay. And this is one of those or it's not? No, this is like number three. So, okay. So I was trying to say like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> um, so Tammy Taylor and Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. So I had kicked them out and because I was like, nah. but then I watched the first episode of this series and just like sat on the couch and cried. Like, I mean, because the ending Jason Street gets a neck injury, but also just because like, they're such a great couple, even in that first episode. Um, and I love the way their strengths highlight each other I know you still you haven't seen this show I highly recommend it um because I think we talked about how football atmosphere can be fun to watch Mm -hmm. didn't we talk about that with Jack yeah Yeah. um first episode Julie Taylor the daughter sitting on the couch and she's reading Moby Dick and she goes dad football is just like Moby Dick and she goes through why it's like Moby Dick and he goes, so I'm Captain Ahab. And he's watching play video, like he's watching videos of the plays and stuff. And then he quotes the book back to her, even though he's been acting like he isn't listening. So you just know, like he, and he's a good husband, like in the first episode too. So it just like sets the scene for like, oh, this is a really hot couple. Like the mm-hmm. way they support each other. Um, they're also good parents. Like they have another kid and then they have Julie. I think that's beautiful. Um, They like are willing to compromise for each other. Like he gives up a great job that he really wants because he knows that she wants to be the counselor of this school. Like, I think that's really beautiful. They like flirt with each other. It makes me think of the banter in romance novels where he's like, he's asking for some advice and she's like we'll start saracen he's like i cannot start matt saracen she's like well then start voodoo and he's like i don't want to start voodoo she's like then start me and he's like i would love to start you baby i'd love to start you (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that yeah so they're just like really cute they never lose their spark throughout the entire series kyle chandler and connie Britton are just very attractive people great couple I believe it. Yeah. It, they even say like beautiful that he's like marriage requires maturity. Marriage requires two people that will listen, really listen to each other. Marriage, most of all, requires compromise. And you're like, oh, bless you guys. <laughs> Who do you have next? So I was kind of going in an order too. And so this is like, I go back and forth on them being like my number one wait have I done Turk and Carly yet Mm -mm. did I skip over them Mm -hmm. did I count out more than five one two 
three, four, five, six. Okay. My question for you <laughs> is, are Ben and Leslie in a category all their own? Or are they part of my five? Okay. I am fully in agreement with putting them in a category all their own. Okay. So if you would like to do that, I support you. And that gives me an opportunity to talk about another couple that I also put on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I put Turk and Carla from Scrubs. um, Because one, they're like the only relationship in that show that isn't like pretty what's the right word not abusive but like traumatic they don't like hurt each other purposefully where i feel like like, carla are traumatic to each other no no no. everybody else's oh my god that place is like chaos central yeah but like jd and elliot like they kind of torture each other and dr cox and jordan axel yeah but i feel like the turk and carla characters like they do the back and forth when they're getting together but then once they're together, they're just so like all in. And mm-hmm. I just, that was a show that was very formative to me in high school, mm-hmm. where I watched like every single episode of it in high school. And I actually find it not very rewatchable. Like it was of its time. And I don't think it's enjoyable to rewatch it. Um, but. I did recently rewatch their musical episode because I am a sucker for a musical episode. And there's this great song in there that Turk and Carla sing to each other about basically questioning how well he actually knows her. And I just love like the banter back and forth between them. And the fact that one of the reasons the show really isn't rewatchable is how much, how homophobic it is with like JD and Turk's relationship that they're like constantly afraid that people are going to think they're gay um but one thing i liked about carla as a spouse is she wasn't threatened by the love he had for his friends and so it like would have been easy from from like a writing perspective to use that as a crutch and like have it be a conflict point between them and she was like no like you should have people around you that love you and i always liked that yeah Zach Braff dating Florence Pugh. I know. Um, I saw a graph because I love graphs Mm -hmm. and it was of Leo DiCaprio's age and then the age of his girlfriends has remained constant Mm -hmm. but his age has gone up. Yeah. I really wonder at what point the women will start being like this isn't worth it. Yeah. It's, I think if you become famous at a certain age, do you just end up emotionally at that age forever from like a maturity perspective? Maybe. I mean, because people stop treating you like a person, right? Mm-hmm. Like you become like this, like someone who always should have their way when that's not conducive to functioning as an adult human being. Yeah. And even if you don't become an asshole when becoming wealthy and famous, like you lose concept of like reality Mm -hmm. of like, you're not always in the spotlight, things like that. I think it would be hard to date someone who's not famous if you're famous, but also hard to date someone who's famous because then you're both in the limelight. Right. 
Um, you're welcome for this dating advice to all the celebrities that listen right. to our podcast. And if you're out there and like someone just dropped into your DMs and it's Leonardo DiCaprio, you can be like, listen, I just listened to Ops. Ops and it has drunk girls and they're against your whole style. Yeah. Yeah. I did like him in Departed though. And Romeo and Juliet. I like the one um, where he's running, running around and he's the pilot and he pretends to be all the different people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, catch me Frank. if you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that one. With Tom Hanks. Yes. Oh, my God. America's dad. I love him so much. There's going to be an article Tom someday that will make me very sad and he'll find out that probably he's a creep. No. You think? But like, you think it'll really? actually happen or you think the world will betray you? The world will betray me. Okay. In my heart, I don't think he's like that, but I'm just cynical and expecting the world to disappoint me. Mm-hmm. My last three are from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, continue. Yeah. Um, so now that we've declared Leslie and Ben in a class of their own, I'm going to start with Donna and Joe. Ah, I love Donna and Joe. I just love Donna as a character that she's elusive like a cat and that she's actually got a lot going on. They don't do enough with her in the first, I want to say season and a half, Mm -hmm. but then they kind of expose her mystery and she gets um, more and more like plot lines. She's like, yeah, genuine's my cousin and like all this stuff. Um, We don't, see her starting to date joe until much later um she's always had like a lot of men around and you don't really learn anything about them she gives Anne amazing dating advice where it's like you always just take on the personality of whoever you're dating Mm -hmm. um and i think that's great advice so um but then she and joe like i love that they turn the trope on its head that she had dumped him and like was wanted to like sow her oats basically because we needed a good farm reference Um, (laughs) and he was there like waiting for her and like when she's like Ron you have to be a buffer between me and Joe this is when they're first getting back together and Joe comes over and is like the nicest guy and has made a muffin and like helps Ron figure out a new way to like build a piece of furniture just like I love this and then when they do the flash forward season and she's like kind of done working and just funding Joe's like pet projects and things that he's excited about. Um, Cause she's, she's made so much money as a realtor. Um, it's just like this supportive relationship where it's two adults who don't look like they go together from the outside looking in based on their interest and everything, but they continue to make it work because they're willing to put time into one another. Mm-hmm. Donna as a character probably has some of my most favorite like one-liners in all of television. Mm-hmm. Like her, <laughs> do I look like I drink water is such a good line. And there's in like more than one episode they do a thing where they visit like the Indianapolis Colts 
and a football player walks by her and like compliments her she's like keep walking and ben's like that guy's in the nfl like why don't you want to talk to him and she's like number 84 i date skilled players only <laughs> like it would be ridiculous for her <laughs> to date a linebacker and um i just love her whole energy her in her car like it's her baby mm-hmm. <sighs> But then she's like ride or die for Leslie, even though Leslie's truly insane. Although when she tweets about Leslie, like that was great. Mm -hmm. And then the treat yourself episodes are some of my favorite episodes in the entire series. Yes. When they go to LA together. Mm -hmm. So good. And I feel like it's now that I've watched and loved those episodes, I do do that where I'm like, I deserve nice things. Like, I'm allowed to spend my money on things that I just want to spend it on. Yes. And that's actually a very important message. Mm-hmm. Especially to Midwest people. <laughs> like, they're set in Indiana. We're in Ohio. I feel like that whole concept, like, if I explain that concept to, like, my mom or my grandma, they'd be like, excuse you? You did what without yeah. a coupon? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Like where in the Midwest, you're like, I like that sweater. And your first instinct is to be like, I got it on sale. Mm-hmm. I got it in an outlet mall. Yep. Like, it was it, majorly it discounted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. My last non-Ben and Leslie couple is Amy and Rory from Doctor Who. And you look confused. Did I do math wrong again? <laughs> no, I'm thinking I did. Okay. <laughs> So I feel like one, after this, Jack might not want to talk to me about Doctor Who anymore because these are seasons that he like specifically said he didn't like the writing of, but. No, I think he likes Karen Gillian, 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 yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they are the Russell O. Davies or the wrong ones, right? Yeah. Stephen Moffat. Uh, yeah Stephen Moffat but I don't I liked up until the end of Matt Smith and that's kind of that's kind of where I stopped watching religiously it was when he left I kind of stopped watching after Amy and Rory left the show I watched a little bit after but Clara I find her kind of insufferable um but Amy and Rory is a couple so I started watching Doctor Who at a point where I like binged the ninth and 10th doctors and Mm -hmm. then I was caught up for the start of Matt Smith and I had to watch it once a week because I was caught up. So it was like the first Mm -hmm. doctor who I watched in real time. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, like Matt Smith as the doctor is like my doctor Mm -hmm. and um, Amy and Rory are his first companions. And I love the line that, is from the end of Matt Smith's era where he tells Amy Pond, who is Karen Gillan's character, like, your face is the first face that my mind saw. And a lot of my love for them does have to do with, like, the ensemble. But them as a couple, like, when you first meet them, he's like, yes, she's my girlfriend. And he's like, and she's like, yes, I've known him for a long time and we're fine, we're friends. And so they Mm -hmm. have this kind of imbalance where he's more into her than she is into him at the start and so she runs away the night before their wedding with the doctor and it's like well the doctor has a time machine I'm not really running away from my wedding I'm just like having a quick adventure and then I'll come back 
and ends up with like her and Rory together going off and having adventures. And there's always this kind of underlying thing where Rory is worried that what he is doing that like she loves the doctor more that she would have the doctor mm-hmm. if she could but she can't so she settles for Rory and so throughout the seasons it's like them proving to each other that they really would choose each other and at key mm-hmm. moments like she chooses him over the doctor and like reaches out to him versus reaching out to the doctor and I actually we decided we were going to do this episode and I <laughs> watched two whole seasons of their run and I was like Matt I'm doing research I need to watch all of these and he's like you've seen them so many times you could pull <laughs> a summary of their plot and I'm like I have no choice I have to watch all of these and watch anything you want to watch um, <laughs> um but the, you guys own it yeah okay yeah they took it off of Amazon Prime and so I bought it Mm-hmm. But just, I, I just have Matt Smith's seasons. Um, but there's this great scene where Amy is dying and Rory has already died. He dies mm-hmm. continually for various reasons. And then he comes back. And so he comes back and he's maybe a robot. He's like maybe made of plastic. It's kind of confusing. <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. The doctor is trying to figure out how much of what came back is really Rory versus like a mirage of him or like an image of him or something built in his image that isn't really him. And so Amy's dying and the doctor said, like Rory says, can you help her? And the doctor says, well, like, if I had time to help her, I would, but I don't have time to help her because your girlfriend isn't more important than the whole universe. And Rory punches him in the face and says, she is to me. And the doctor's Mm -hmm. like, oh, good, you are Rory. And then, like, goes off and saves her. And I just, like, I just love their whole energy. Yes. There's, um, so in order to save her, she gets trapped in a box and has to stay there for 2,000 years. And so he guards the box. And the doctor's like, we could just leave and come back and he's like well what if the box is in peril and she's in the box and she can't get out and no one will know and then she'll be hurt and he's like you're just gonna sit here and wait for 2,000 years and he's like yeah to protect her I would wait for 2,000 years and so he's he's the boy who waited and And it's so beautiful mm -hmm. one of their like he fights he says to her Amy, basic fact of our relationship is that I love you more than you love me, which today is good news because it might just save both of our lives. And like those moments that they, like, I feel like Doctor Who in that era had good, big love moments. Um, yeah. They had big love moments between like the 10th Doctor and Rose. They had big love moments between Amy and Rory. River has some really big moments and I just like it. I did start Wait, summarizing. And Rose? Yeah, the David Tennant's version of the Doctor and Rose Tyler. Oh, the first so, episode, like the, the first season of that refresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was and then she went on to do like stories of a call girl or something. Which, which was, was a good such show. a fun show. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah, I watched that too. I used to read that blog. Like oh, all really? the time because it was like a really good like sex blog 
Um, and I was writing, doing research and then also just liked reading it, but I was doing research about women and the gays and porn because I'm a huge nerd. Yeah. I like you anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So yes, I feel like that's totally right. And even though Donna, it wasn't romantic, there were just so many heartfelt moments with that Mm -hmm. one too. But yeah, I agree. Amy and Rory and then their last scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got me right here. I know. That is so oh gosh. And then there's like silence in the library, which is like River's big moments with the doctor. Um, but that's one that I watch when I specifically want to cry. So maybe I should try that. Yeah. But it's just it's like you said, like two people choosing each other over and over again. Yeah. And they eventually, in order to stay together, choose to go back in time and live a normal life starting in the past so that they can be together, which mm-hmm. is lovely. Like she could have, she could have stayed with him. Like she could have, she could have chosen not to follow him back in time. He got sucked back in time. She had to go in order to be with him, but it's just nice. And I do love how they're like, oh, well, for this storyline, we just have to pretend that the TARDIS can't time travel to the time that they were sucked into. (laughs) And they were like, oh, yeah, for MacGuffin-y plot reasons, we can never go to that year or any other year in your timeline once you get sucked back like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those, like, you can't think too hard about the logical sci-fi part of it. But if you, you can think hard about the romantic love part of it. This was back in the Tumblr days when these episodes were coming out. Because I know Tumblr is still around, but it's not the same. And someone like drew all the storylines and like where they interacted and stuff. And it just looked like a ball of spaghetti. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. River's timeline doesn't make any sense. I love it, but like it's ridiculous. I like her as a character and her acting, but yeah, it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. So should we talk more well i have april and andy on my list too my last three so april and andy i love them because they clearly don't really under like she's physically attracted to him and i think she loves that he's like a golden retriever at the beginning Mm -hmm. i mean throughout the whole thing but like they he doesn't totally get what she is and who she is but like just supports her so much anyway and like um for example when she's like needs a job and he's like we gotta find my wife a job like we or april a job i don't think they're married no they're definitely married at that point um and he doesn't even really know like what would make her happy but just like tries as hard as he can to get her a job that's such a perfect embodiment of their relationship where she supports him too and then they um they grow up together i love burt macklin and janet snakehole Mm -hmm. um some of the episodes with ben as their roommate are my favorite when they're like eating out of a frisbee and like just trying to remain these free spirits and then her vows where she's like i kind of i guess i kind of hate most things but i never seem to hate you like I really get that yeah no it's all lovely 
I feel like he is like the embodiment, embod, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Of like strong himbo energy. Yes. (laughs) Definite himbo energy. Yeah. And I don't hate that. I know. I like it. I'm into it. And I really, one of the things I really enjoy about them is they get together young and the show never destroys them. Mm-hmm. And like, sure, I don't want to watch, I don't want every TV show in the world to be a story of people that like met in high school or just after high school and then never break up, right? Because that's not real life. But it is real life that some people do meet young and fall in love and work through it and stay together. And there were times where they lived in different cities and you know, there were times where they were sad or they fought and they just like worked through it and got to the other side of it without giving up. And mm-hmm. I really liked that the show didn't like sacrifice them for the sake of conflict. And especially because at the end of the show, Chris Pratt was starting to get legit famous and they didn't yeah. just write him off in a way that would have been like a breakup for them. Yeah. And I'm glad that he stayed invested in the show because he could have tried to opt out like Matthew did mm-hmm. in Downton Abbey. But I'm glad that he decided to see it through the end. But yeah, the fact that they grow up together and then the flash forward is really great again with them. Like the flash forward season where they wrap everything up, like just chef's kiss. So perfect. Mm-hmm. And then... They're, they're like still trying to be these free spirits, but I really identify with that because they're like, oh, do you want to do this thing? And he's like, oh, I've got heartburn now. And like, it's just this perfect example of kind of reckoning with getting older and realizing like you're not living that life that you you kind of remember from your early 20s. Um, and thinking about like how some dreams get put on hold, but then figuring out new ways to support each other and still be there for each other. So I like that. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. So do you want to wax poetically about Leslie and Ben now? My gosh, I really do. So part of this is that Leslie is probably my favorite character in all of television, period. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just, I relate to how earnest she is and like, I definitely, and especially in romances, am drawn to characters that I can see myself in or that I can picture myself in their place. And for mm-hmm. me, that character is like full on that, like the person, like the person who is just extra and is like, I can't help it. So you just have to be into it. Like Mm -hmm. if we're going to hang out, you just need to be into the fact that like, I'm going to have weird holidays that are just for us. And like, I'm going to like sign up for these ridiculous things and then commit to them too hard. And Mm -hmm. I, she's just not embarrassed about who she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at the first couple of seasons of the shows like the first season and a half she's in like a really rough spot in her love life where she is very into this guy who isn't really into her and is into her friend and that was really the only part of the show that I thought 
at the time I was like you're not gonna do this like you're not not gonna have like two strong great female characters like fight over this mediocre ass Brandanowitz man <laughs> and <laughs> they I mean they do briefly and then they get over it um and she even eventually gets a little bit of a reckoning because it seems like maybe he kind of comes around and is into her and she's like yeah I think we're good friends and he's like oh that door isn't open anymore either mm-hmm. um and then Ben comes along and they're just like so compatible but compatible in a way to where it's not quite like an opposites attract because they have the same values but their execution of things is very different mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of conflict when he first comes and then like you start to see them like slowly like melding together until it's inevitable that they're together she dates louis ck before ben right yeah i didn't even hate that relationship like i think the show once they got over the mark brandanowitz bit they did a really good job of portraying relationships between people Mm -hmm. because he was like a tall glass of lukewarm milk brandanowitz yeah yeah just like milk toast Mm -hmm. i think what's so great about leslie is that she's like the friend you want to have or so it's either people can identify parts of their friends in her or like she has traits that like all of us identify as the best parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. and like she is this unattainable figure where she you know never seems to sleep and makes homemade gifts for everyone and except her house is a fucking mess and like (laughs) she's a hoarder (laughs) yeah and like she doesn't always do her laundry so um and she eats just like barrels of sugar so she is both like very pulled together and not but she shows up for people when it matters mm-hmm. yeah and and people show that same loyalty back to her because you almost have to right like when someone is that like good to you you're like ah, oh, damn it like even if yeah. I didn't want to in this moment do that like I have to right it shows the importance of like depth of relationship versus like breadth like having so many friends Mm -hmm. like you can have a network of 250 people um but it's not as sustainable for like you to go deep with those people relationally Mm -hmm. so i just watched um the on the nbc parks and rec channel on youtube like their first kiss Mm -hmm. it's so good when they go to like the little league conference and Chris shows up there and then he there's several scenes in the series where he pulls her to him and he kisses her it's a classic romance Mm -hmm. I love the scene so after they've briefly like been together but hiding it because for the for their job they weren't supposed to date because he's technically like above her on the org chart and Mm -hmm they've broken up but she doesn't want him to move on with anyone else Mm -hmm. and so she kind of like follows him around to try to make sure that he isn't like getting anybody else's phone number which isn't a good thing to do in general (laughs) don't Mm -hmm. do that to people but they end up out at like an abandoned gas station where she's like pretended that she has something important to show him but then can't think of something to say and they start fighting because he realizes what she's doing 
And he says something to the effect of arguing with you is like trying to fight the sun. Like it's mm. like it's so passionate and it's too much. And her response is, whatever, I'm super chill all the time. And <laughs> I just I love, I don't know, I love that. And I yes. once they settle in and decide like we're choosing to commit to this, which is like him leaving his job and he basically like sacrifices that part of his career and says, I can move on and do something else so that you can keep your career and we can still be together. Yeah. And the, I love that. What the instigation of that, where she is, I think in that parking lot and she's like, I miss you so much. I think about you all the time. Like, why can't we just be together? And that's when they decide to go tell Chris like I love her vulnerability in that confession Mm -hmm. and that she's like I steamroll everyone but I'm not going to steamroll you right now like this is how I feel and she kind of yells it she's like tell me how you feel Mm -hmm. and he never really backs down from how strong and powerful she is right and he's just like i want to support you and i'm gonna be strong and powerful too and i'm gonna pursue my own dreams but i'm gonna help hold you up which is like the dream right Mm -hmm. well and at various moments once they're together they have to continually keep making choices about which career they're prioritizing because they're on very similar tracks by the end of it where like they could both potentially run for governor but only one of them should right and so Mm -hmm there's these moments and you see him giving her that space and saying like I don't have to be the one in the spotlight like you're the one that should be doing this and that's I feel like that's a very like romance type moment where like you just want to see that because you want to know that like you could find that in your own life like someone that's fine with saying like no, we should be prioritizing your career because you've worked really hard for it when women so often are told like if someone has to give up a career it should be you like you have less earning mm-hmm. potential or you should be staying home with kids or you know whatever it is mm-hmm. when is there first I love you oh I don't know oh I thought you were gonna tell me and I oh I was just, I was just gonna say that I it's like my favorite thing in their vows the I love you and I like you Mm -hmm. um and that kind of encompasses what what those characters are that it's not just that they love each other it's that like they genuinely like each other too Mm -hmm. through the claymation and everything (laughs) this is what this isn't what a depressed person looks like (laughs) yeah I, I love that they're good parents though too but not in a way that doesn't seem realistic like it's kind of a disaster but like it shows them very earnestly you know carrying out their responsibilities as parents gosh I was looking them up because I love the whole part she says the things that you have done for me to help me support me surprise me to make me happy go above and beyond what any person deserves you're all I need I love you and I like you mm-hmm. and then I mean I love his part of the vow too when he says um 
he spent all this time working for state government. My job sent me to 46 cities in 11 years. I lived in villages with eight people, rural farming communities, college towns. I was sent to every corner of Indiana. And then I came here and I realized that this whole time I was just wandering around everywhere, just looking for you. <laughs> so good. Like, oh. I love drunk Ben. Um, and I love like Novocaine or he has pink, he has a kidney stone when oh, he yeah. is, yeah, when they're in um, his town, they're playing, the, his town is playing a prank on him and they're like giving him a key. So it's kind of like childlike Ben where you get to see even more vulnerable him and he's fairly vulnerable all the time. Yeah. Yeah, he also no. lets her prioritize her relationships with her friends and family and knows like when to sit back which is so great mm -hmm. their um their gift giving back and forth is really fun so like she gets him the game of thrones throne and then like he gets her this like amazing i'm gonna outdo anything you could do for me date and she can't go so he goes with jerry and takes pictures of it and I feel like the, the show is like very intentional with them in like mm -hmm. little ways. So there there's this box that they use to like in all of their big moments together. So when when he first gives her the the like Leslie Note for City Council button to like show his support of what she's doing, it's in this certain box and it's the same box that they use to get engaged. And so like there's these moments of continuity where you know that like the writers and designers and directors were like playing chess and not checkers <laughs> yes yeah and i think that's why mike sure shows are so great mm -hmm. like i mean we even though we didn't include them like the good place and mm -hmm. the office um which pam and jim didn't even make it to my honorable mentions i know and I do, I do like watching their scenes and their early setup. They're another one that like some of the romance of their story killed, like it killed it for me how much longer the show goes after they get together and like makes us look at like the nitty gritty true to life stuff. And I'm like, well, I didn't need any of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's that, those several seasons, that season where she's like going off um, to art school and like their marriage struggles and then they have a kid and like by that time the show has gotten so ridiculous outside of that relationship but I did cry at their wedding that's fair because it had taken so long for it to get there mm -hmm. yeah Michael Scott was lunacy but of course it was he was supposed to be um we have not talked about their engagement Leslie and um, Ben. Oh, yeah. Or she thinks he's gone and she's like revoking her down payment on that house or not even down payment. I, were they it was to rent it? it. I think it was just to rent it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I just you... like rewatched that scene. It's so good. It has the box. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. oh, and I love she can tell what he's doing and she's like, stop. I have to memorize you right now and then he like waits for a beat and then he's like Leslie and she's like no no no, I'm not ready I'm still memorizing you <laughs> like give me a minute 
and it's so sweet because it's it's in a way that he immediately knows she's going to say yes so there's no like anxiety on his side that like her saying wait means she might say no and it's just Mm -hmm. so great yeah it's so perfect it's so them um I love that during when they're first like starting to date they go sit in front of the mural the wildflower mural that she loves Mm -hmm. so that initial crush phase was so great Mm -hmm. I just want to watch all the episodes did you know though it's not on Netflix anymore it's moved to Peacock and only the first two seasons are free oh Jesus I am against what streaming services are currently trying to do to me and I refuse to pay for Peacock I am not gonna pay for Peacock I would rather buy all of Parks and Rec yeah like I'm gonna buy a DVD box set and a DVD player before I pay for Peacock (laughs) (laughs) a line has been drawn in the sand by OHG podcast we refuse to pay for any more streaming services yes because I already have four. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what are you, what's the fourth? Oh, PBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I have two more that I don't pay for. I just use somebody else's password. Mm-hmm. So like I have access to like six, which is too many. I don't, if you bundled it all up and called it cable, <laughs> it would be easier. <laughs> there's a lot of content to consume yeah yeah but now I feel like I'm gonna find out some other show I love is only gonna be available on Peacock and I'm gonna feel chagrined yeah I mean I think at that point you have to make the choice like do you just buy it and own it from somewhere else or do you get the streaming service and I don't know yeah so two other things I love that about Leslie and Ben, they have kind of a weird sex life and like it gets recorded accidentally. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, not weird sex life, but more adventurous than um, is normally on network TV. Mm-hmm. And um, it, they portray it. It, like on that recording that goes to Ron's voicemail. Mm-hmm. So great. <laughs> Ron Swanson and Diane, another great couple. Yeah. The other thing about Ben and Leslie, they called each other out on their bullshit. That's true. And like held each other accountable. Mm-hmm. So even though they were super supportive, they were like, are you sure? Which I think um at least from my perspective like I like it when someone's like are you sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a relationship because I feel like I know that I won't be able to steamroll them then and I do feel like it's a fine line like when you're in a relationship and you know someone is so like when Ben loses his job and like he's obviously hurting and obviously trying to like fill a void and you're like okay how do, do I help by pointing it out and urging things or do I help by just like acting like this is okay for a certain amount of time and yeah there's definitely moments where like they each take like the braver choice Mm -hmm. but it's never unkind right like it's never in a way that's meant to like make the other one feel bad about the situation they're in it's just like hey let's work through this yes 
Yeah, totally. So those were all of our couples, right? Or did yes. you have anyone? Okay. Um, I hope we find more couples on television. I know. I think we will. I think Bridgerton is going to open some floodgates. We're going to get some stuff. Oh, TV executives that probably listen to our podcast. Let's get some Beverly Jenkins TV shows. Like, mm-hmm. she has this wonderful, rich, historical romance world. Like, let's put, let's put that on TV. I am now in a pickle of... I have too many reading in progress books at once that I like actually want to be reading, but I like, so I started Rafe and I really like it. And then it was like, well, we're going to do Evie Drake. So I need to reread it. So I started that and I really like it. And then Wild Rain came out and I was going to talk to Beverly Jenkins. So I was like, I should read Wild Rain and I'm reading that and I really like it. And I cannot read three books at once my brain is confused yeah no all right so we're talking next about evie drake evie drake starts over evie drake we're gonna have to practice before we record or we're gonna say it wrong the whole time because it is evie evie drake starts over like chevy yes by linda holmes yes (laughs) linda holmes friend of the pod in my imagination (laughs) Yeah. And maybe reality, hopefully someday. Yeah, in the future. You can find us on the interwebs at OHG Podcast. Uh, just find us everywhere. If you want to see Amy reading to her dog, which you should really go to TikTok. Yeah. All the teens are doing it. We do it now too. The post is the equivalent of me going on TikTok and then being like, hello, youths. <laughs> I am one of you. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many people on TikTok, though, that are over the age of 19. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) it's a fun place. Um, And you can send us an email with book recommendations or, as we said, criticism earlier, but we will not take it. Put criticism in the subject line just so we know to not open it. Yeah, um, we could take your constructive feedback or like um, corrections, but it depends on the day of the week when we get it, what kind yeah. of mood we're in. And mm-hmm. it's pretty important that Jess be the one that sees it. Yeah. Because I definitely. won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's a funny correction, please let us know. Because this, but actually, I'm sure there's a lot of things that we got wrong in this episode, and I'm not sure we really care about it. <laughs> what we remember is the most important part. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Stay obstinate, stay headstrong. <laughs>